Hey, uh, Fellowship Asheville, welcome to the Fellowship Asheville ConvoCast, uh, where we hope to inspire you with stories of what God is doing in and through the people uh, that are connected to Fellowship Asheville. In season one, we introduced you to our elders. In season two, you got to meet our deacons and staff. And in season three, uh, this is the very first episode of season three, uh, we get to introduce you to those uh, organizations and ministries and missionaries that we support as a church. And I am super excited about today because we get to talk to Tom Zuniga, who I have gotten to know over the years. And I think he is just a stellar, stellar guy. Uh, I love the way he follows Jesus. And I can't wait for you uh, to get to know him. So Tom, go ahead and introduce yourself to, to folks. Yeah, well, thanks, Fred. I appreciate all that. It's an honor to be on, I think, the only ConvoCast on the internet, right? <laughs> There's no <laughs> oh, yeah, other ConvoCast right. on. Okay, okay, okay. We might get so, to that so, later. So let's explain. Well, we can get to it right now. So the, the way I got the uh, title of ConvoCast is I completely stole it from Tom. Tom has his own podcast that I enjoy listening to, and uh, he started something called the ConvoCast. And so one day we were having coffee, and I asked him, I was like, can I steal your title? And he said, yes. So. <laughs> So yeah, you, like, you have Tom to thank for this. Yeah, and I was like, I'm pretty sure, I haven't actually Googled it, but I'm pretty sure it's a fairly, I feel like it's a common mashup of words. I'm pretty sure. No, I don't think so. I think we are the only two it. people in the world that <laughs> have a combo cast. Well, in any case, in any case, <laughs> yeah. it's an honor to share that, share that role with fellowship. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my name's Tom. I am 34 years old. I've been living in Asheville for a little over five years, minus minus some months long stints here and there traveling around. I love to travel. That's obviously a huge huge part of my story. Anyone that gets to know me, I love, love just seeing new places. Um, I grew up in the Philadelphia area and I'm a huge Philadelphia Phillies fan. That's like the one sport that I've gravitated to. So I love watching, mm -hmm. watching the Phillies and still a family up in Philadelphia. I love going back up there um, at least once or twice a year. So it's, uh, and I love living in Asheville. It's probably my favorite place I've ever lived. So it's been awesome to, to be a part of the city and be a part of fellowship these last, these last few years. Well, Asheville is the jewel of the Blue Ridge, unless you're in, Mar uh, was it Madison County? Yeah, Madison, Madison County stole that one. <laughs> Speaking of stealing, stealing titles. Uh, well, Tom, what's something that most folks don't know about you? So I don't want this to be too graphic or anything, but up until last year, I didn't even know this about myself, that I was born with one kidney because I was hospitalized last year because of an autoimmune disease. And suddenly that was brought to my attention that, oh yeah, did you know you only have one kidney? And I turned to my dad and he had no idea either, apparently. So it was a big surprise. Uh, I always like putting that out there as a fun fact that I only have one. And since I've told people that I only have one, I've heard from numerous people who have told me that they have three kidneys or even four kidneys. And I'm like, I wish I, didn't I know could that was possible. Get one of those. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but but that would be that would be one thing uh, I would say that is a yeah. fun little fact. That okay, I have. that is fun. That is fun. Tell us about your autoimmune disease. What 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 happened there? Yeah, so I mean, I've been not to brag or anything, but I've been so healthy my whole life. Like I, I pride myself in get keeping in good shape and eating well and and I was doing CrossFit the last couple of years. So I felt really good about myself, especially going into my thirties now with just, you know, getting older. Um, I know 30 is still young, but still I, I feel mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not 20 anymore. So, um, so yeah, it really was a whirlwind last summer, last late spring, early summer last year, where 
all of a sudden I just felt extremely, I thought it was allergies at first. Cause I just had a lot of sniffles and little aches and pains, but, um, it definitely, it progressed. It got worse. I was very anemic after a month or two. Um, I had inflamed joints and, and I had no idea what was going on with me. I felt like literally like my body was failing me and not doing what it was supposed mm. to do. And so it reached a point where I just felt like I just, I had to go to the emergency room. I had to, I had to get this looked at. And so, um, so I was in the hospital for a week last summer and got diagnosed with a very rare form of vasculitis. Um, let me see if I can say it called granulomatosis with polyangitis abbreviated GPA. And, okay. um, yeah. And so it is, it's been a whirlwind. It's, it's a, it's a disease that only strikes three out of every a hundred thousand people. So it's extremely rare and it likes to attack the blood vessels. And so in my case, it attacked the blood vessels in my sinuses, my lungs, um, and various joints throughout my body. And so it just really, really did a number on me, but I, I feel like we caught it early enough and I've had various treatments over the last year to where it's, uh, it's manageable and it's going to be something I have to deal with the rest of my life. There's no cure, but I can at least mm. keep it in check with regular, regular doctor's visits and occasional infusions and just kind of keeping up with it. So I'm hoping uh, my life is as normal now as it can be <laughs> for the foreseeable Yeah. And future. so, so how are you doing now is, is pretty good. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not doing CrossFit anymore. I'm still trying to figure out my physical regimen because I want to start uh, working out again. I love running and I love working out. And so I want to figure out what works for my new body. Cause I can definitely still feel some residual joint. Uh, like I can still move around and everything I'm flexible, but it's like not what it used to be. And so yeah, part of that might be yeah. just getting older, but it's, uh, it's <laughs> not it yet. Is. Not yet. That, that, in your forties. Yes. Maybe forties yeah, okay. is when you wake up in your fifties, you wake up and you're like, I, why does this part of me hurt? I didn't do anything to make this part of me hurt. Why right. Well, hurt? I'm starting to feel so, that. So hopefully okay. it's, hopefully it's more from the disease and not getting old, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, well, I'm glad you're doing, I'm glad I'm, you know, I've kind of known when walked with you through that process, but I'm glad you, you are doing better. Um, that yeah, that was sure. scary for a while. Um, so uh, Tom, tell our, our folks how you came to know Jesus. And then I want to talk about your ministry. Yeah. So the way I always set it up is that it feels unremarkably remarkable in the sense that I feel like when anyone comes to Jesus, that's remarkable, right? That's yeah. a really great thing, but do I have any kind of like flashy come to Jesus Damascus road story? I don't, I don't think so. I don't, but mm. uh, I grew up in a Christian home. And so I was always around church and always around the stories of the Bible and Jesus growing up. And so I truthfully do not remember the first time I prayed that prayer, but what I tell people is I remember the second through 300th times. Cause <laughs> there was a lot of repetition. There was a lot of trepidation as a kid of like, did I, did I say it right? Did I, did I, did I ask for this or not ask for that? Or do I need to say it again? And so, um, so I had a lot of paranoia, I think for a couple of years throughout, throughout my upbringing. Um, again, I don't fully remember the first time, but I know, I know at some point in my childhood, whether I was seven years old or 10 years old, that there was a come to Jesus moment. And, and what was most prominent, I think was the summer after, um, that would have been seventh grade, um, we had just moved, like I grew up in Philadelphia, as I shared earlier, my dad got a job promotion in Georgia. And so our family moved, you know, something like 800 miles away when I was 12 years old, which is not a fun time <laughs> in general. It's not a fun time in general to be a human, but then to, to be transplanted away from everything, you know, like that was extremely difficult. And I held a lot of resentment toward my father, my mom and my dad, primarily my dad and, and ultimately toward God too. I mean, that year of my mm -hmm. life is the 
the darkest year of my life spiritually because I just wanted nothing to do with, I hated going to church. I, I didn't read my Bible, didn't pray, um, mm. had no desire for God because I just felt like this was the most unfair situation ever. Like I, I had such a great family and such a great church and such a great home life um, in Pennsylvania where I grew up. And so this felt completely foreign and, and unfair. And so I was very bitter toward God that year. And, um, and God bless my parents because they forced me to go to a summer camp. The only summer camp I ever went to as a kid um, for with my primary, with my uh, previous church in Pennsylvania. And that summer, and that would have been the summer of 2000, I, uh, I just kind of like got my head straight again. Like I kind of was like, wow, like I've been kind of a jerk the last year and, and, and I feel, and I feel sad and I just feel angry and unhappy. And so it was a really, that was kind of the spiritually, like a huge road marker, I think in my spiritual journey of, of recommitting to Jesus and, um, and following him since, since then. Yeah. I think, I think that is an important part of anybody's spiritual journey from knowing Jesus to needing Jesus is a big difference. You know, like, like it sounded like that's a time where you needed Jesus to speak to your heart because, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a little out of, out of, out of sorts. So, well, tell us about your ministry. What, what are you doing these days? Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy because this is not necessarily what I signed up for when, uh, when, when my website launched. So in 2015, um, me and some friends who we had met on the internet, um, I guess I should backtrack and say, um, growing up my whole life, I always felt different. And I always felt like I was not seeing the world the same way other people were, especially the other boys in my class where I was quiet, I was sensitive. Um, you know, this isn't a gen, I mean, it is generalizing, but for the most part, the boys in my classes were very boisterous. A lot of them super athletic, um, a lot of them troublemakers or jokesters. And I just felt like I didn't belong. And there was, it took several, several years to like figure out something deeper than that. And, um, and going into puberty and growing up, I realized that I was, I started to finally realize and connect the dots that I was attracted to the other boys that I was attracted to men. Um, and I held this secret as a Christian. I like, I literally, there wasn't even on the radar that this was something I would ever dare speak to anybody. The fact that I was attracted to the same sex. Like I, didn't foresee. I, I literally, I would journal about it. I would journal in like cloaked language and afraid that someone would find my journal and I would journal about it. And that was my outlet. That's where I poured my heart and soul and blood guts and tears into, into these journals throughout my teenage years. And, um, and I really, I literally had the thought that I would go to my deathbed, never sharing that with a single person because it was so, it was just so foreign. I had no idea what to do with it. Um, and through a long chain of events, a long, lot of just hard things, when I was uh, 19 years old, I finally came face to face with that um, and started telling people. And in 21, I did a Google search on the internet, looking, looking for answers, looking for help, looking for something, because I was just really struggling. Um, even though I had told a few people, I was still really struggling by myself. And I did a Google search, which led me to a bunch of people blogging about their journeys with homosexuality and Christianity and a lot of wounds or, or hardships with masculinity and fitting into um, masculine molds, particularly in the church. And I was blown away. I just couldn't believe that there was someone else like me. I mean, it's, it's all, it's so silly to think about now, but I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can relate with whatever struggles they have. They, it's, it's so ingrained in us sometimes that we think we're the only one. Mm -hmm. um, and when you find out that there's someone else also struggling, maybe not exactly the same way, but in very similar ways, um, it's a really powerful thing. And so yeah. uh, all that to say like that, that's like the biggest line in the sand 
um, before and after moment of my life when I did that Google search and I found that there were other Christians um, also experiencing the same temptations and the same struggles and the same woundedness that, that I did um, and, and have. So can, so can that, I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, at 19, when you started telling people, what, what made you do that? What made you go from, I'm going to go to my deathbed keeping this a secret to, I can't keep this a secret anymore. Yeah. I think it's one thing when you struggle with thoughts and images in your head. It's another thing when those thoughts and images start to permeate other parts of your life. And so struggling mm. with pornography, I would say was the biggest thing for me um, where I started to realize like, Oh gosh, this is, this is no longer just this little safe thing. That's that I'm playing around with in mm. my head. Like this is something that's actually bleeding out into my life, um, disrupting my schedules. I was a college student at the time. So it was disrupting my studies. It was disrupting. I mean, that's the surface level of what it was disrupting, but it was disrupting mm -hmm. my, my soul in a lot of ways. And so, yeah. um, so that was a big turning point, like of starting to starting to encounter pornography and struggle with it and, and feeling like I finally had to talk about it. And so I, I finally journaled about it plainly and openly, no, no more cloaked language. Um, I talked to my parents, um, talked to my brother and sister a year later. And so it's just like a lot of, uh, it was a lot of building blocks of like slowly, slowly sharing this part of my life, opening it up with friends and mentors and, and eventually writing, writing openly about it on the internet. Cause I felt mm -hmm. it was this really weird thing to go. So to make such a switch from, it wasn't an overnight switch, but to make the switch from this being the secret I would keep to my grave to suddenly feeling like an increasing conviction to share it because I've always loved writing. I've been writing since I was six or seven years old in journals. And mm -hmm. I just felt like, I don't know, like a still quiet voice that grew louder and louder that I needed to tell my story and I needed to, um, and at first it was very self-seeking. Like, I just want to tell it for my sake because I feel like I have a story worth telling. But um, to my surprise and just to my, I mean, I've just been really humbled over the years because I've written a couple books and have have this blog, your other brothers. Um, that's, that's the ministry to finally get back to your question. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. I, yeah. I started this blog in 2015 with my friends who I found through, through that anonymous blog network, um, when I was, when I was 21 years old and, and it's been crazy because it started out as just wanting to create a blog, maybe do a podcast someday. Um, just talking about issues of sexuality, masculinity, and faith. And, um, and to my, mostly delight, a lot of extra stress as well. But to my delight, there's been a ministry component that's come out of it, a community mm -hmm. component that's come out of it. And, um, and as of now, we have a couple hundred guys all around the world um, pledging to this effort on a monthly basis. And, um, and Fellowship Included is, is supporting me and supporting this effort. So mm -hmm. I'm just like super grateful, super humbled. Um, God is I, I can say with full confidence, God is doing it. Cause I, I do not, I do not, I did not sign up for a leadership role. I feel like that is not in my, in my wheelhouse, so to speak, but God is taking my shortcomings and he's, he's brought in, ultimately he's brought in just incredible people to like co-host the podcast with me and bounce ideas with and have organization leadership me uh, meetings with. It's been, um, yeah, it's been a blessing to just help people, first of all, affirm that they're not alone, but then secondly, mm -hmm. to, um, to not just be content to, to help people realize they're not alone, but to also get in the boat and set sail somewhere and to, to grow and to, to practice discipleship in this, in this journey. Yeah. So talk about your other brothers. What, um, tell folks what, what you do, like what, what is the ministry of your other brothers? 
Yeah. So there's, there's two sides to your other brothers. There's the content and then there's the community. So the content, mm-hmm. we, we put out a couple blogs a week. Usually um, we have authors, young and old, single married um, around the world. And so it's awesome to see all these, this little uh, mosaic of stories coming on onto our website in the form of our blog. That's, that's the first thing we ever started doing. And um, I'm the editor. So I put the post together. And so we do that. Um, we also do a podcast uh, we have a convo cast, which is a shorter, short form, very similar to this format of just one-on-one conversations. Um, and then our longer form show, Your Other Brothers podcast, we usually will talk for an hour about a specific topic. And sometimes we'll have guests and, um, and that's always fun. We've had authors and pastors come on in the last year. And, and that's been really cool to, to kind of spread the net a little bit and go mm-hmm. outside of our little community. Um, and then, like I said, from the content, there's also the community side because we have um, we have all these online groups that we'll meet on zoom a couple times a month. And, and actually, as we're recording this interview, I'm in the throes of planning a retreat. We used to do these retreats once a year. And then COVID has, we, as we've all had to do altered schedule, we've had to, we've had mm-hmm. to accommodate that. So, um, so as of now, I'm actually putting together a, uh, a retreat, our first one in t- almost two and a half years. Um, yeah. And so we'll have 40, 40 plus guys coming from all over the country um, here in just a couple weeks. And we'll be getting together, having organized discussions and exercises, worship together, meals together. And it's just a really fun time. Like there, people have described it as like a long lost family reunion. And it's really, mm-hmm. it's really special that people feel a kinship, not only for all the struggles that we share in common, but there's something more to it than that. Because I think the fact that we follow Jesus, like it's something powerful to be able to get in a room with other people who are struggling similarly as you, and also orienting themselves toward Jesus, just like you, like that's, it's an unspeakable thing that I want everyone yeah. to experience regardless of whatever they're struggling with. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that I've, the terms that I've heard you use on your podcast, which I think might be helpful for our listeners, because there may be some people listening that are thinking, wait, so are we talking about homosexuality in the church and how does that work together in Christianity mm-hmm. and all that, which I know is kind of the heart of your, your ministry and helping men navigate that. But you use a term called side B um describe that yeah it's it's a fairly new term if you're if you're Mm -hmm. in if you're in the circle you know what it means but um essentially um when it comes to when it comes to homosexuality there's a big debate about are you born this way are you not born this way i i believe it's a little combination of both at least just speaking for myself i think i think this combination of nature and nurture kind of created what you see (laughs) or what you're listening Mm -hmm. to right now if you're listening on the podcast um and what to do with, with our homosexuality. Like that's been a debate in the church because there are, there are gay affirming churches and believers who believe that God blesses same-sex unions, same-sex monogamy, same-sex marriage. And, um, and so that's, that's over the years been known as this side A or this affirming position. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also this other one, the side B position, which still holds to a traditional ethic on sexuality, still believes that marriage is created by God between a man and a woman. Um, and so what that means in our community is that we have married guys, guys who are attracted to men, but are also married to a woman, um, in quote on what we call quote unquote mixed orientation marriages. Um, and then we have plenty of guys in our community who are also single and intending on celibacy until God intervenes. And, um, and so side B that's, that's kind of where we are. It's, it's, a we're still living out a traditional mindset, but a lot of things, the other thing about side B and this, this kind of speaks to the evolving, the evolving nature of, of words and vocabulary is that the word gay, or certainly the word queer 
doesn't mean today what it meant 20 years ago, 50 right. years ago. Um, and so many guys in our community, they're comfortable using the words gay and queer to identify themselves, um, speaking nothing to their actions and what they're doing mm -hmm. with, um, with the orientation that they have. Um, but this side B is kind of like this blanket term to, to, to encapsulate people who identify as gay or queer, or if they prefer same-sex attracted, there's an acronym called SSA that people are more comfortable mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. We don't like to dive too deeply into the labels because people, um, there's no perfect label. There's no perfect identifier. It's always going to come up short in some way. But yeah. the ultimate thing is that because we're side B, we're, we're following Jesus together. And, and we believe, we believe the traditional belief on, on sexuality as hard as that is. I don't mean to say it, that it's like, oh, we believe it and we're good with it. Like it's, it's incredibly it's difficult, challenging. Yeah. But, um, but it's awesome to have fellow side B guys in our, in our community to, uh, to walk alongside. Yeah. And, and, and Tom, I'll tell you as a church and as a pastor, that's one of the, I mean, that is the main reason um, we wanted to support what you're doing because I know there are lots of men um, who struggle with same-sex attraction or struggle with being gay and are followers of Jesus. And I think many of them are just like you and they look at the church and they go, there is no place for me. Like it's for married people. It's for heterosexual people. There's no place for me. And what I love about what you're doing is you're opening the door to a place for people just like yourself, where it is uh, for people who are same-sex attracted and yet are holding to the scriptures and, and what the scriptures say about a biblical sexual ethic. And, and I find that very rare. And so um, uh, in dealing with ministries. And so when, when our paths crossed and I learned what you did, I was like, this, this is a guy that uh, we want to be a part of what God is doing um, in and through him. And then as I got to know you too, and saw the way you were leading the ministry and your heart for people, is a no brainer. A no brainer. I appreciate I'm, that, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of what you do. Um, well, let me ask you this, because uh, I don't want to, I know what, we try to keep these about 20 minutes or so, and I knew this was going to be the issue too, Tom, is I knew you and me were going to go over that 20 minutes. That's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, people can turn it off whenever they want. Um, but as, as, you, as you lead this ministry, you know, you said you're doing something that you never really signed up to do, which by the way, I think those make the greatest leaders um, mm -hmm. are the people that God moves into positions, not the people who necessarily want them. But, but as you do this, where is your greatest joy in this ministry? Like what, what lights you up? I just remember when I was 21 and I did that Google search and, and my eyes lit up, my soul lit up when I was scrolling and I just saw blog after blog after blog of people writing about, uh, writing about their struggles and being so open, even though there were mm -hmm. a lot of them were anonymous, but they're still so open about what they're dealing with. Like my greatest joy with, with your other brothers, um, cause it's still happening. It's, we're still putting out blogs and, and, and podcasts and, and videos and other presence on social media and, and we still hear from people like every day, every week um, who are finding us one way or another, they're Googling something or they're clicking a link that takes them somewhere, the magic of the internet. And, yeah. and they'll send an email, they'll send a message and they just are floored. They're floored that they thought they were the only one and that they mm -hmm. are no longer alone. Like that to me is so worth it. It's, you know, again, we, every life has challenges. So I don't want to make myself special. Um, 
even though that's my, my tendency as an, as a four on the Enneagram mm-hmm. to make myself special, but I recognize everybody has their own struggles or their things that they feel like they can't speak or they can't put out there. But, but when it comes to this one, for whatever reason in the church, homosexuality has been this like very shadowy, very scary thing um, mm. to be open about. And so the fact that our website, our community can exist and to help people turn on that light switch that they're not the only ones struggling anymore. Like that's, that's unspeakably, it makes, it makes it unspeakably worth it. To, to yeah. Keep you putting, putting it out you get to be the place that you found in when you were 19. Yeah. That's, that's very super cool. cool. Yeah. It's very cool. So ministry has ups and downs when it's a downtime. Uh, what gets you through? Um, coffee, coffee. Is good. <laughs> I just read something yesterday where a guy said, I just pour coffee on all my problems. Yeah. Yeah. Two, three, at least cups a day. I don't know. Uh, that's, that's huge for me. Uh, for whatever reason, God loves to speak to me on, on the road, um, when I'm traveling, when I'm in nature. Um, so I think when I'm having a bad day or when I'm having a hard go, like the answer is so clear to me, I need to escape the the walls. I need to get out. I need to hit the road because mm-hmm. God loves to speak to me when I'm moving and I've had to, I've had to like, that's been a challenge over the years. Cause I also feel like God's calling me to be more stable and to like plug into Asheville and plug into fellowship and be, be more rooted in my life when the tendency, um, is to be on the move all the time. So, um, so there's that, but, but I also, I think the more, the deeper I get into Yob, we call it your other brother's Yob, um, mm-hmm. Y-O-B, the deeper I get into Yob work and ministry and the more it grows, um, the more I'm, I'm like such an advocate for counseling and therapy and just having, having a defined set part of your schedule to be able to, to talk to somebody and to not keep all the stresses of life bottled up. And so that's, that's been a huge part of me the last couple of years is taking that seriously and investing in that because it's, yeah, like I said, I've, I've never necessarily signed up for such a leadership role and to take on take on a ministry. Like I would have never called Yabba ministry five years mm-hmm. ago, but I think so many people have told me over the years that it is and refers to it as such and um, yourself included. And so I, I guess yeah. I have to believe now that it is a ministry and I have to, I have to take care of myself. And that's uh, counseling mm-hmm. therapy is, is a huge uh, way that I'm doing that right now. That's great. As you, as you look ahead, uh, what do you hope and pray for, for Yab? Um, we, reorganized our values uh, a little while ago, a year or two ago. Um, We went from five values listed on our website to seven values, and I won't list all of them, but the main one that was added that felt really lacking in our original five was the value of discipleship and the the Mm. idea that we're not just here to share hard, sad, broken stories. Like that is something we're not afraid of. We, We will share hard, dark, sad stories on our site, which is refreshing for a lot of people. But if it's all dark, sad, and gloomy all the time, um, yeah, it starts to, it starts to feel like, wait, what is this about? Where are we, where are we going? And, um, and discipleship is, is definitely the impetus for where I would personally love to see Yab go in the years to come. And, and what that looks like, I'm not sure. Like we've tossed around ideas as a leadership team. Like maybe we start organized groups locally in various parts of the country, since we're so spread out everywhere. Um, I, I would love to see in the future that our site isn't explicitly for, gay or queer or, or same-sex attracted believers, but, but it could be a place for all men or single people. I mean, I think, I think we have an issue in the church, not to step on too many toes, but I think we have an issue on the church with uh, an idolization or an uplifting of marriage to a place that it was never meant to be, that singleness um, 
is kind of scandalized. It's kind of, it puts people in outcast positions. And I would love to see singles thrive in the church. And if our website yeah. could be a conduit because we have so many single people on our site, um, if it could help single people, men and women, like that would be, that would be such a blessing um, for our, for our website, for our community. And, and just to be able to continue to educate the church. Like we love having conversations with pastors and other ministry leaders to educate the church about issues of sexuality and gender identity and making it a normal conversation again, when it, or for a lot of places for the first time, making it a normal yeah. conversation and just bringing some education, just something as simple as terms, like, um, like I shared earlier, or, um, or just like sharing real life stories. Cause that's what we do on our, on our website. Yeah. Um, something, and I, I think we've talked about this before and I've even think, uh, y'all mentioned it on your podcast and it's in, it may be one of those wait and see what God does, but I would love a Yoss, your other sisters at some point. I see sure. what you do for, for men <laughs> yeah. who struggle, uh, or who, who, uh, I don't know if struggles. Well, I mean, it is a struggle. Like you said, side B isn't easy, but, but for mm. women who are in the same, same boat, yeah. just on the, on the, on the other side. And so, um, uh, I would love to see that too. I think, I think there's incredible value in that. Well, uh, as we as we close down, what would you say is one word or phrase that describes fellowship to you, Fellowship Asheville? Yeah, I was thinking about this. Um, the word that keeps coming to mind is give, give slash service, mm-hmm. I would say, because to bring my story back into it, I think for pretty much at least my whole adult life, I've looked at the church as something that can give me something as, as a consumer. Um, where can I find a church with a great pastor or great worship or great people or small groups or whatever? And that's not to say that those things aren't important or, and good because they are. But, but I think for the most part of my life, I've always just gone to a church with the mindset that I want a place that can give me what I need. Um, mm-hmm essentially believing I have nothing to give. Like this is, Mm. I'm so broken or have whatever faults against me um, that I couldn't possibly give to a church. And, and early on in connecting with you, Fred, and and then conversations that I've had with, with the elders, with, with various staff, like I've gotten nothing but affirmation that I have a story to share, that I have something to give. And, and I am super humbled by that. um, Cause we have, I have a group, it's not officially connected to your other brothers, but but we meet twice a month. It's called Table, and it's for for men who are sexual minorities in the church. And we have um, multiple churches represented, and we get to use the building, which is really cool and and super awesome. And um, and I just I would say like yeah, the ability to give, not just receive, but to give to this church is something that was very refreshingly just mm-hmm. uh, different from a lot of churches I've been in the past. Um, and so that's. That's what stands out to me um, when I when I think of fellowship. It's the ability to to plug in as as we're all uniquely wired, um, and that's um yeah, just super touched. That's that's great. Well, Tom, I will shout your name from the rooftops if I have to. I believe in what you're doing uh, so much. Um, if people want to get in contact with you, uh, serve with you, find out more, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. So there's all kinds of ways. I don't know if people want to get out their notepads, but, um, on social media, <laughs> on social media, uh, I, I think all of my handles are at Thomas Mark Z. So if you pretty much go to any social media, uh, thing, you'll find, you'll find me at Thomas Mark Z. Um, M-A-R-K Mark. M-A-R-K. Yeah. M-A-R-K-Z. Um, 
I did that because Zuniga is kind of tricky for people to spell. So I just was like, sure. let's just do the first initial. Um, you can send me an email to tom at thomasmarkz.com. Um, and then our website's yourotherbrothers.com. So if anyone's interested in checking out our, our blog, our podcasts, um, yeah, it's, it's open to all. So we'd love, I'd love to hear from anyone. Great, great. And, and folks here at Fellowship Asheville, um, in the update, I, I, don't, I, I didn't look at it today. I'm not sure if it's still in there. If, you know, we, we promoted Table for a little while. I'm not sure if it's still on the update. But if you have questions about that, you can certainly reach out to me and I can connect you to Tom as well. Um, yeah. But Tom, thank you for your time. This has been great. Thank you for, for letting Jesus work in and through you to create this ministry that is a blog and content and a retreat slash conference. I know you don't like to use that <laughs> word, but it is. And and in uh, the community that you're developing, I think is great. So for those of you who are, who are watching and listening, if you're watching on YouTube, click like and subscribe. That, that helps you get notifications when this goes out and whatever and wherever you're listening to the podcast click like and subscribe there too so you can get those notifications so you don't miss an episode as we continue on in season three well tom thank you fellowship i love you and i love being the church with you and i will see y'all next time bye thanks brad yeah bye tom